see back in 2011, in February 22nd, there was a large earthquake took place in Christchurch, New Zealand. The earthquake was an aftershock of an even bigger earthquake the year before in September, only a few months before. But this earthquake in February was so much more damaging because the epicenter was very close to Christchurch CBD. It was a lot shallower, a lot closer to the ground. And so it caused far, far more damage. As a result of the earthquake, 185 people died from the earthquake. I visited Christchurch um, about two years ago. As I walked past the city, you can tell there are still ruins and debris in the city. And part, I walked past this monument, and they have an empty seat for every single life that was lost that day, all 105 of them. You can see that even a, a child sits in the baby seat. It's very, very sad when I, as I walk past it. And a further 1,500 to 2,000 people lost their injured, lost their, but they were injured. The earthquake caused structural damage to many buildings in CBD, and many people lost their home as well. It was devastation all around. And as of today, the city was still being rebuilt. The earthquake shocked the whole community. It shocked the whole country. It shocked the world. What was a vibrant, peaceful city one day, it was devastation the next. And I think our lives can be like that too. One day, we feel like we're like Sydney. We're thriving, vibrant, safe, and a cosmopolitan city with so much to offer, have a bright future ahead. But the next day, our life could turn to a Christchurch, desolate, catastrophe, hopeless, and despair. But the people in Christchurch, they didn't lose hope. They came together as a community, and they began the rebuilding straight away. Today we look at Psalm 62, a psalm that was quite possibly written by King David, written at a time where he was facing some very significant challenges in his life. This is a psalm of trust and confidence. We will look at who God is and why our God is a God that we can depend on. And we see also how this psalm can encourage us even when we're at the lowest points of our lives. But before we get into that, I want to chuck another pilot illustration in. Talk about pilot training. Now, before a pilot can actually sit in the cockpit and fly you around, they have to spend many, many hours in ground school first. They have to learn the theory of flying an aircraft, how to communicate with the ground, with other pilots. They have to learn how to navigate, and also what to do in an emergency. Then they are tested over and over and over again to make sure they learn the theory, well, to make sure they have all the knowledge in their head. After that, if they pass, and the pass mark is quite high, it's not 50%, it's more like 80 to 90%. So after they pass the test, then they can go through the simulator training where they will consolidate what they learned in ground school to put into practice. It is to make sure that they got the head knowledge, but also they will transfer what they learn into the heart and into the action. And only if they pass the simulator training can they fly you around across the country, across the world. Today we're going to see if David has learned what he's learned about God since a little boy, 
we'll see if it can put that knowledge into action when push comes to shove. Speaking of David, David was the youngest son of Jesse. And growing up, David was a shepherd. Being a shepherd back in Bible time is a dangerous job. It's not just about lying on the grass and playing the, uh, what do you shepherd play? The not guitar, the harp. It's not just like that. It's a very dangerous job. Because a shepherd, they could be attacked by lions, by bears, or by robbers. But one thing David knew was the protection of God. In 1 Samuel, just before David fought Goliath, he said this, The Lord who rescues me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David has a heart for God. David wholeheartedly followed God and trusted him. It is the reason why God picked him as a king after Saul, because of his heart, his heart for God. Now, it is in this context our psalm begins. David already has a head knowledge that God is the great big God. But let's have a look how David describes him in verses 1 to 2 of Psalm 62. Truly, my soul found rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. David is speaking with confidence here in the beginning of the psalm. Truly, truly, my soul found rest in God. Now, the word rest is a prominent theme in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. Going back to Exodus, God's people, they were slaves in Egypt. They cried to God for help, who God heard their prayers, and then God used Moses to lead these people out of Egypt. He sent the light plagues, and then the 10th plague, the Passover, and then God led them out of Egypt, cross the Red Sea, into the unknown, into the desert, and they head into the promised land, the land where God promised them. Rest isn't just about taking a break or have a power lap, but it is about the peace and calm of knowing God that only God can offer. So just imagine if you were one of the Israelites. You have now left Egypt. You have just crossed the Red Sea. You seem the army chasing behind you. Now God has made them disappear. You're now on the other side of the Red Sea. How will you feel? Sorry? Wonderful. Some of you feel wonderful? Some of you might feel a bit adventurous if you're the adventurous type. You might be excited about it. But for some of you, maybe exhausted. Maybe you feel this uncertainty. Maybe you're petrified. None of the words here will bring calm to them. Yet Moses urged them to do one thing. He says it to them, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Instead of fighting for their future and safety, Moses urged them to do the complete opposite. Be still. Because God will fight for them. In the promised land, they will find rest. They will find the security of knowing God and be in His presence. Now, how can David be so sure that God will offer him this rest? He can be sure because God is fully dependable. But God is our rock our fortress and salvation. Imagine this. 
you're planning a holiday. You're planning a holiday and you want to go near the beach. And you find this house on Airbnb. The price is good. Um, and the host is awesome. It's a super host. They've got lots and lots of five-star five reviews. has great facility. And they even give you three meals a day for free. Good deal, isn't it? That's until you see the picture, the photo of the place. Now, this house, it doesn't inspire confidence, does it? I'm worried about the house by just looking at the photo. I'm not going to go anywhere near it, let alone stay in the house. But David described God as his rock and fortress, a large rock that is stable, that is solid, and everything built on it has a firm foundation. God is also our fortress. Fortress is used for defense in war, and God is our fortress because we can trust him to defend us when we're under attack. God is trustworthy. God is dependable. It's in him alone we will find salvation and we will never be shaken. David's like the pilot I mentioned earlier. He's gone through grand school training and now got some experience. Question is, would he still trust God when push comes to shove? Have a look at verses 3 to 4 with me. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall this tottering fence. Surely they intend to topple me from a lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. David is now in a very fragile and vulnerable position, like a tottering fence. The wind blows and the whole fence could collapse. David is like that fence. He has no strength left and he could be blown over any time now. David is expressing his profound frustration, disappointment, and sadness. His enemy is relentless. And they only have one goal, to topple him and to defeat him. It is the brutal and a cruel reality. David has gone through a lot in his life, even before becoming king. After King Saul found out David was going to be the next king, he pursued him, trying to kill him. David fought Goliath on his own because no one else in the army wanted to do it. No one else in the army had courage to do it. But David had faith in God. And then there was the rebellion of Absalom. Absalom was the third son of David. Absalom rebelled against his father David and made himself king. David had to flee Jerusalem and went on exile. He was betrayed by his very own son. His life was a great risk because Absalom, his own son, was going to kill him. But David didn't give up on God. He told Sodek the priest to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. This is what he said to him. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it and his dwelling place again. But if he says, I'm not pleased with you, then I'm ready let him do to me whatever seems good to him. David was sorrowful. A king who had everything, but now lost everything. One moment, David was like Sydney, vibrant, thriving, and growing. But the next moment, he became like Christchurch. Everything around him was crumbling. 
his life was destroyed the next day. It wasn't just his physical safety was in danger, but he was betrayed by his own son, who was betrayed by the people that he could trust. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. We come from different walks of life, and every Sunday we come together in the name of Jesus. Some of you might be going through a good phase in your life at the moment, like Sydney. But some of you, you could be going through some very, very significant struggles in your life. Maybe your family, maybe your physical, your mental health, maybe money, work, education, friends. Maybe you're going through a dark time in your life like David was. But Psalm 62 has a message for us. Having known God and loved him his whole life, now is crunch time. Would David remember his training like a pilot in an emergency situation? Have a look at verses 5 to 6 with me. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Now, did David remember and his training and deliver in an emergency situation like a good pilot would? Yes, he did. At this pilot here, um, this is a U.S. Airways flight uh, that took off from New York LaGuardia Airport a few years ago, I think about 10 years ago now. And shortly after takeoff, um, the plane experienced a burst strike and it lost both its engines. The pilot then landed the plane on Hudson River. Not a single person was killed during the crash. All because of his training. He was trained well. They were here. He trained well too. David remember his training. When we find ourselves in a hopeless and despair situation, it can be very difficult to trust him. It can be extremely difficult to trust God. Our head knows we should, but our heart says the otherwise. David is a good example for us to follow. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean our lives would be easy. But look at the way they would trust God. God alone is our rock, our fortress, and our salvation. So no matter where you are with your life, David has the encouragement for us all today. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times. You people, pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Our God is an awesome God. He's like this gigantic rock that offers us a strong foundation and one that we can fully rely on. God alone brings us salvation and honor. God alone we can depend on, find comforting, and He is worthy of our trust. Whenever we accept the lack of power and control on our part, we have to depend on God. We can find peace and calm in God. It's the rest we have in knowing God. When we acknowledge that I am powerless, I'm not in control of all things, when we are needy, when we are dependent, it gives us a sense of calm because that's when we will come to God. This is when, when we can rely on Him. So pour out your heart to Him like completely pouring out liquid with no reserve. Pour it out for God. 
holy God to him, holds nothing back, have complete confidence in God. I often spend a lot of time worrying about things that I have no control over. I become very anxious to the point where I just spend my whole day just worrying about things I have no control over. That's because I want to be in control. I want to be in charge. But that's why I'm reminded that I need to cast all my anxiety to God. I've done my bit. Now, God, I'll leave the rest to you. Psalm 46 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It tells us to be still and know that I am God. Trust Him. Now, all of this are much easier said than done. It's much easier said than done. There are lots of things in our mind and our heart today. One thing is we want to be successful. How does our world define success? Compared to the world, our world defines success and compared to the way the Bible defines success. Our world looks up to people who are successful in the, by the earthly standard and look down on those who aren't. For example, with Korea, our world will say, where do, where do you work? What is my title? Am I working in a dead-end job? When it comes to education, I will say, does my mark at school define who I am? Do I tie my worth to my ATA, to my uni grades? Or do I tie my worth to what uni I go to or what degree I have? Or does my love for my children define by their marks? When it comes to wealth, our world tells us to be successful, the minimum requirement will be to at least own your home or at least pay in your mortgage offer. And then to have a diversified investment portfolio, have an investment property or two, and some spare cash. These are some of the ways our world measures success. But is that how God measures success? Does God judge us by our worldly treasure? Absolutely not. Verse 9 tells us this, Surely the no-born are but a breath, the high-born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing, and together they are only a breath. It tells us that in God's eyes, our earthly status and treasure are but a breath and lie. Some of those things are good things. Don't get me wrong. Everything we have are given to us by God. God wants to be a good steward of our resources. But it tells us that our time here on earth is short compared to eternity. It's fleeting. Nothing here we have will last forever. Do not believe in lies or deception and don't use them to try to advance our status. Everything we have are given to us by God. Do not set our hearts on them. Continue on verses 11. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. God is strong and God is loving. His grace and his power go together. Grace and power of God go together. If God has power but no grace, there can be no trust because power can be abused. But if there's grace but no power, then it doesn't make God special. We are depriving God of his ultimate character. Grace and power, therefore, 
it go hand in hand. God is loving and God is also strong. And verse 12 talks about rewards. It tells us that God's righteous judgment will be revealed when Jesus returns and everyone will be judged. Those who trust him will have eternal life and those who don't, they will face his wrath and anger. The question then is, what will you put your trust on? Who will you trust? Will you trust God, our rock, our fortress and refuge? Or will you trust the earthly treasure, which is sinking sand? Will you be like the wise builder who builds his house on a rock that has a strong foundation that can endure? One of our church values is our under the living new life of Jesus. We are called to be faithful, adventurous, compassionate, and enduring Christian. We want to run this race together. We want to reach to the end of the race. Being a Christian is like a marathon race. We will space ourselves out to make sure we will finish this race. Make sure we can endure. Don't be like the foolish builder who builds on sinking sand. A sinking sand that is our earthly treasure, which won't last. Don't let that be the most important thing in your life. If sitting here today, you're not yet a follower of Jesus, come and find out more about him. He is our rock, our refuge and fortress. He is fully dependable. As I said earlier, we run a Jesus for the curious cause once a term. Write down the Can Connect card and we'll be in touch. Come and discover Jesus together. It is in God alone we'll find the ultimate rest. We do have to face our worries, our anxiety, our problem alone. Hand them over to God. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The peace and love that God offers is in fellowship with him. It is not a lonely battle on your own. You have Jesus, and you have community of people, the brothers and sisters in Christ. Another value of our church is care. You can see there's um, connect, care, communicate, and commit. We want to care for one another. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we can support one another, rejoice with those rejoicing, and mourn with those who are mourning. We can lift up one another, encourage one another, and be listening ye, help and support one another, and be a shoulder to cry on. And there will be times when we, can't pr- when we can't pray or don't know how to pray. We just got no word. But we can pray for you even when you can't. The Holy Spirit will always intercede for us. And one of the greatest things about fellowship together is how we can support and encourage one another. Even if you're struggling, even if you're in a very dark place right now, the testimony of other Christians have gone before us, can encourage us, and it can get better. Jesus has gone before us. He was rejected, he was tortured, he was crucified. But he shows that even death can get better. Let's put our trust in Jesus. He alone is our rock, our refuge, and our fortress. He alone is our salvation, and we will not be shaken. Let me pray. Loving Father, we thank you that you are our rock, our fortress and refuge. We thank you that in you alone do we find rest and salvation. Father, we pray for those who are struggling today. We pray that you will comfort them, 
And we pray that you will help us as a church to support and encourage one another. Please help us to build our lives on strong foundation that is in your son Jesus. Amen.